1: This is Internet Marketing. Hello and welcome to the Internet Marketing Podcast brought to you by Site Visibility. I'm your host, Scott Colnutt, and with me today is an ex-colleague of mine, a consultant of Site Visibilities, an author, a SaaS software co-founder, I'm sure there are other things I'm missing there, Martin. Martin Heyman, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thanks for having me, Scott. Good to finally be on. And good to catch up with you. Martin and I were just saying that we haven't spoken in a little while. Martin's worked as a consultant at Site Visibility uh, for Site Visibility for a while, but um, he's been off on many other ventures, and um, I'm sure we'll talk about a lot of them in today's podcast. So it's nice to just have a little bit of time to sit, catch up, talk about marketing, SEO, and the world over the last couple of years. Specifically, we're going to be breaking down today using SaaS software to surface SEO quick wins. So as I noted, Martin is a consultant, the founder of Wild Sprouts, but also Martin is the co-founder of two organic search software tools. They are Twilu and RankCaddy, and we're going to be discussing the growth of those tools and the challenges and successes and the journey in building those tools. Martin, I gave a brief introduction to you there and talked a little bit about some of the things that you do. Is there anything more that you want to add?
2: Yeah, so I've been in the SEO world for for about 13 years. Uh, Like you say, I'm an author of a book called The Organic Advantage, which was was a number one bestseller in multiple categories on Amazon. Um, I've been back and forth a little between in-house and agency over the years. And yeah, I went freelance about five years ago. And as I built a team of partners and freelancers around me, I transitioned that into an agency, I think about three years ago, nearly three years ago, and that's when Wild Sprout was born. Wild Sprout's an online marketing agency whose main focus is e-commerce. So until 2020, that was me. And then COVID hit and I lost a couple of really big clients. They were in industries that were really rocked by COVID and... I found myself or so I thought with a bit more time on my hands and you know 2020 was tough but it did give me the opportunity to create Twilu and Rank Caddy which is something mm-hmm. I've been wanting to do for ages and yeah like you say Twilu, um, Twilu and Rankcaddy are things that have been built since then. Twilu is a tool that makes internal linking much much easier and Rank mm-hmm. Caddy is a, a rank tracker which we're about to launch and uh, that has additional tools and actionable insights as well. And I've been lo- loving working on the SaaS side of things. So, you know, who knows what the next five years
1: looks like. Yeah. And it's interesting. So, you mentioned there that it's something that you always wanted to do, which leads me into kind of where I wanted to start the podcast today and just catching up with you. We were last colleagues maybe eight or nine years ago. It was a long time now. But as I mentioned, you've been a consultant at Site Visibilities through your Wild Sprout brand for a while. But I didn't really know when Twilu and Rank Caddy came onto the horizon for you. So I'm really interested in that journey because I've spoken about it on the podcast before that I meet a lot of people in marketing, particularly agency-side marketing, and they get burnt by really how dynamic, how busy it is. And so it starts to become this. It starts to become a goal to take some kind of business or livelihood into their own hands and the dream almost is to build a SaaS product or some kind of passive income stream, something I've talked about very recently on the podcast. For you, what was the goal with Twilu and Rank Caddy? And you mentioned about always having that goal. When did that goal start to come onto the horizon for you?
2: I think it was about uh, scratching my own itch. So hmm. I think that's often the case with, with some, some new tools that are created. So, uh, for example, with, with, uh, with Twilu, For a long time, I was doing internal linking audits and recommendations manually, Mm. and I'd find myself just buried in spreadsheets. And, you know, it takes a long time. And it's probably why some people swerve it, to be honest, because it is time intensive. And I'd wanted to build something to, to automate the whole process and just make things easier. Uh, So, yeah, I think a similar kind of thing with Rank Caddy. I can go into reasons why we created that a bit more. But, you know, again, it was to scratch my own itch. It was kind of something that was missing. Um, I found myself buried in spreadsheets with some of the things that Rank Caddy does. And, yeah, it was uh, I enjoy working with clients. I enjoy the agency side of things. But the the SaaS products is something I've wanted to do for a, a long, long time. With the timing of, of COVID hitting, and it just seemed like the right time where I had a bit bit more free time where I could actually finally do these things.
1: Was Twilu your first attempt at a SaaS product?
2: It was, yeah. So Twilu was um, was something I'd wanted to do for ages. I yeah. actually uh, I approached a guy called Dan Bianchini, who is a co-founder of an agency called Common Ground. He had been introduced to me. Uh, a few years back by the awesome Kirsty Hulse, who I think you've had on yeah, podcast. yeah And uh, yeah, he, he's he got a similar background to me. He's got good technical SEO experience. He's been in the game about the same amount of time. And I started talking to him about the idea and we just decided to to do it together. And then I, I approached my friend, Matt Gain, who's an awesome developer. And I said, look, this is what we're looking at doing. Can you build this? Matt's great and he was just like yeah of course I can and yeah Twilu was born then and I had had uh, the idea for Rank Caddy at the back of my mind for a long time as well and I'd already started having conversations with Matt about building that so hmm. that just kind of started happening after Twilu but yeah Twilu was
1: absolutely yeah the first attempt so I'm already learning some lessons and figuring some things out here, Martin. So there are things that are eye-opening for me and I think really good lessons for the audience and for me to take away. So the first is just about scratching the itch, which I think is really important just in marketing and any creative industry is you, you identified something that you were spending time manually on you obviously had this SaaS interest as well. And it's funny you mentioned that because one of the first things I remember about you, because we only worked together briefly maybe for about a year, but uh, I remember you were really hot on um, Linkdex, I think was the tool at the time that we used as site visibility. And you were probably the most experienced person using that in our company. So I have you in my mind associated with product or software, I think for that reason. And so the first lesson really that I took from that is that even when you have that itch, when you're in agency-side marketing or you're a consultant, you are often so busy that it, the realistically, it can take a lot of time before you even start to explore some of these ideas. So you've been in marketing a long time, and it, it was a long time before you started exploring Twilu as your first product. And then you mentioned that there was the pandemic that happened, and that gave you a little bit more free time to kind of launch and explore that first SaaS product. So that was interesting to me. Another thing I touched on there as I was talking is the identification of what you're spending time on manually and then whether you can automate it. There is a certain type of person that looks at, I think, marketing and life that way and thinks, oh my, I'm doing this thing over and over again. I've got to find a way to do this faster. And so I just think, you know, if, if there's anyone listening out there and you're and you're spending your time doing those things manually and thinking there's got to be a better way I don't know if you agree with this, Martin, but the answer probably is yes, there probably is. Especially when uh, yeah. you're
2: buried in spreadsheets. I think <laughs> yeah. I think, I think if, you, if you're finding yourself, you know, buried for days in spreadsheets, there's probably an opportunity for a tool there.
1: Mm. And then the third thing, Martin, is that networking there, you know, not everyone is particularly well networked. And um, I'm not just saying this because you're on the podcast, but you're a particularly nice person. You're a good person. And that's something, well, you know, you. One, of the, one of the reasons that I wanted to, uh, and I'm enjoying having the conversation with you and I wanted you on the podcast and was willing to have you on the podcast is I know how much of a good person you are and kind of your openness, transparency, humility is probably the word that comes to mind. And so, you know, you just mentioned two people there that were maybe critical in the role of the development of your first product, Kirsty Holst. I can't remember, Matt, what was the surname? Sorry. Uh, Matt Gain. So yeah. Kirsty introduced me to Dan. Yeah. yeah Matt Matt's been a friend for a long time. So yeah, I just wanted to point out some of those key lessons first before we go into talk a little bit more about Twilio. I think we spoke there a little bit about where the idea came from and I assume here and do correct me if I'm wrong that um again you noticed the importance of internal linking for organic search. You mentioned you were doing things manually, I assume in something like Excel or Google Sheets at the time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah Excel. And then you thought, there's got to be a better way. And that's where you started the idea for the product. So when you have this idea, where did you start? So are you starting to sketch things down? Do you start researching for other products and whether they exist? What's kind of your starting point?
2: I sort of had a whole plan for for Twilu, but there, there were a lot of missing pieces. And I've uh, yes, so I did have sketches down. I've actually done this with, with Twilu and Rank Caddy, kind of A3 sheets of paper, sketches <laughs> of how things can look and how it can work and i'm not a designer by any means i'm not very good at art so you'd laugh if you saw these things but <laughs> it was enough for matt to kind of you know get going and understand what what we wanted doing but although i had although i had did have a plan in place uh, especially for for twilu i think there were pieces missing and i think this is where it's been great working with dan on this because we bounced a lot of ideas back and forth and i think the tool is much better because of it for example. I was actually originally thinking of basing recommendations on site search. Anyone who saw my Brighton SEO talk in the autumn will know I'm not really a fan of site search anymore for the, for this kind of thing. And I think it's a good starting point if you just want to pick up some some quick recommendations. But it is really unreliable. And you start to get irrelevant results. You start to get results where the term's only mentioned in the, the main nav. And then even mm-hmm. if you start using things like the in-text operator, you still see those results. And then Dan suggested using Search Console data, and we started bouncing ideas around that. And we eventually decided, you know, why, why let Google recommend the pages for internal links when we can just do it? We, we want to be recommending these pages. The way it works now is if you want to optimize, optimize a particular page, you can go to the area in Twilio where you optimize that page. The search console data is pulled in to pull in the top terms related to that page, and then we we're not a regular crawler. We kind of process all the HTML as well. So what Twilio will then do is go off to the rest of the site, find mentions of those terms. Mm-hmm it will then look for pages that mention those terms but don't yet link to this page and it will surface those as opportunities and it will show the the kind of sentence or paragraph uh with that opportunity in as well so you can see the context around it to see if it is actually a good opportunity or not and the other thing you can do is also use manual terms and you know you can use this in really creative ways but it's really good for uh, like topical relevance as well so let's say for example you have a site that has a crossfit category where you can put CrossFit into that manual area and it will do the same thing. It will go off to the rest of the site. It will look for the, all the pages that mention CrossFit. And if they're not linking to this page that you're optimizing, it will then surface those as opportunities. And then you can you know add those as tasks and assign them to yourself or or other team members. That's the way the main part of it works. And then it's evolved since then. We've come up with new ideas uh, based on customer feedback as well. And we've added new features to help find, you know, internal linking issues, conflict culprits,
1: and you know, some other stuff as well. When you had the A3 sheets out and you started to sketch and just in the early stages of development, what were some of the biggest personal challenges for you? So you've used the phrases you were talking, maybe that you're not a developer. But I just knowing you, I consider you more technical, particularly on the SEO front, but you've mentioned that you're not a developer. So was that a challenge for you?
2: A little bit. In that, you know, obviously, Matt is he's an awesome developer, but he was relying on us for how this is going to work. I think with tools like this, you have to test the, the hell out of it. And, yeah. you know, although we have so many websites are built and configured differently, so, even now, every now and again, we're just going to get a weird bug that might crop up. That's been a bit of a challenge. And, you know, I think we've got a lot of these ironed out now. But I'll give you an example. Um, a while back, we had a customer uh, saying their, their crawl was taking ages. So we started digging into the logs and everything. And we were like, what? hold on, they're crawling the BBC. They weren't crawling the BBC. They were actually crawling a, a different well-known brand, but a much, much smaller site. And we couldn't figure out why they were crawling the BBC. And what had happened is, for some odd reason, this site had a page with a canonical tag pointing to the BBC homepage. (laughs) Now, we hadn't really planned for this. So it sent Twilu down a rabbit hole, and it started trying to crawl the whole BBC site. Uh, So, you know, we ironed that out. We fixed it. It now ignores external canonicals, including subdomains, but you know, every now and again, weird little things like this will crop up, and I think I think that's going to happen. Uh, that so that's that's been one challenge between the kind of SEO and the development crossover. Honestly, for me, one of the biggest challenges has just been life since COVID. So back in March 2020. Around the time I wanted to start building this, that was around the time I lost those couple of big clients, and um, you know, really wanted to do this. Then got hit by COVID. Um, my wife and I both did, and you know, I've normally got pretty solid immune system, but even not me for six for a couple of weeks. I was I was in bed for about a week and a half, and even even after that. So I think like a week or two after I'd recovered. I went into the garden and I did, I think it was a 12-minute kettlebell workout. And it took me 15 minutes to get my breath back.
1: Wow.
2: So, you know, I still wasn't right for a while. And I'm fine now. I feel great now. But my wife is still suffering. So she's one of these unfortunate long COVID crew. And uh, she's, been, she's been really struggling since March 2020. She still can't, can't even go for a walk. And for about four months of 2020, she was, she was bedbound. So that kind of flipped life upside down for us. So whereas I thought I was suddenly going to have quite a bit of free time to work on these tools and everything like that, suddenly I found myself getting up in the, early in the morning, doing a bit of work, then homeschooling, and then you know doing a little bit of work in the afternoon. And then I think for a good four or five months, I was consistently working till 2, 3 a.m. The problem with that is, I mean, I think we all know the importance of sleep. Right. I, on two occasions, I made myself physically sick and put myself in bed for a day. So that that wasn't working out. So mm-hmm. I think one of the biggest challenges has been trying to just get that new routine. And, you know, things are much better now. I still I still have to do a lot of those things. So I'm still, you know, doing the school runs. And then then I work in the mornings. Then I do the school run again. And then I'm with the kids for the afternoon. And then, you know, after dinner and putting them to bed, then I crack on with work. But I try to go to bed when it's still nighttime now mm-hmm. and not yeah. when it's, you know, 2, 3 a.m. But uh, yeah, that kind of kind of wiped out the idea of suddenly having a lot of free time so it's that's probably been the biggest challenge but uh yeah got through it and uh, you know the routine is much better now but i'm sure you know well, i know for a fact i'm not the only one who's who's struggled since that kind of early
1: 2020 mm. time have, have all of those experiences changed your either attitude or goals towards what you want to do in marketing and in work
2: i i don't know if if that has, I mean, it's made me realise that being flexible is kind of an absolute must for me. But I think, aside from the the difficulties over those, you know, nearly two years, I think just working on the SaaS stuff has has really perked my interest even more on that side of things. So mm. that's, uh, you know, I've really enjoyed working on on those tools, and you know. I, I do still enjoy working on the agency side of things and with, with clients, but I probably, if I'm honest, see myself moving away from that one day and maybe I'll just work with a few select
1: clients. Well, that was my thinking is that I think that society and a change and emphasis on flexible working when you're in marketing and you're either your agency side consultant or in-house, you know, it's a busy role. It's kind of nonstop. You, you can never turn it off. And I assume with the SaaS product, one of the attractions, aside from the actual interest in marketing, is the passive income stream. And that's not to dismiss SaaS owners. It's a lot of hard work. And I'm sure you think about it a lot. But I'm also sure that the reliability or the flexibility that it gives your life being a SaaS owner, essentially, it's a more flexible life than perhaps an in-house or agency side marketing role. Is that fair?
2: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like you say, when when you're working in-house or at an agency, it, it is difficult because of everything that's going on. Mm. You know, with the busy agency life, it's, uh, you know, and everything else that's going on, it's really hard to put that time aside because it isn't just something you can do, you know, an hour a day or something. It is, it's time intensive. And mm. I think if the whole COVID situation and losing a couple of clients hadn't happened, I probably wouldn't have done these. Uh, so it does, it, it needs time, but yeah, it needs time and flexibility. So it, it is hard
1: to do it yeah. Do it uh, when, you, when you're in-house or agency side. So a couple of other questions about Twilu and growing Twilu in this period. So yeah, you talked about the beginning, you talked about the development, maybe either challenge or working with the developer and how that works and maybe some of the unexpected challenges uh, along the way. I'm interested in the practical part of, Well, actually, you talked about it. You were talking about testing, and that's always really interesting to me. So with Twilu, you maybe had to rely on testers to use the tool to give you feedback so you knew about the interface and experience. But in terms of the collection of data, I assume you could crawl any site that you wanted to see how it worked. How long were you testing Twilu before you eventually launched it public?
2: Well, a while. I guess... So I'd probably say, I mean, the good thing about me and Dan working on this is it's it's kind of what we do. You know, it's one of the reasons we wanted it is because it's something we've been struggling with and found really time intensive. And like I said, we'd be buried in spreadsheets. So it's something we wanted to use. So it was easy for us to just test it ourselves for a while. So, you know, I'd say um, for a good few months, we were probably testing it. And then we started picking up just a few select beta testers because we wanted to try some different site types, uh, you know, because it, this can be used on any site. So we wanted to try it on Magento, on, yeah. on it, it, Shopify. It, on, how did you on find WordPress.
1: the beta testers, Martin? Were they friends and family or were they just um, people out in the wild? Um,
2: mainly people we have worked with. Yeah. So, yeah, we, we found a few kind of ex-colleagues in, in the right industry and, uh, and, and that we knew had some varying site types as well and just, yeah, selected a few few people and uh, yeah just got just got them to test it as much as possible
1: and then yeah sorry my original question was how long was it from um the testing through to launch can you remember that period
2: i think that was probably another few months yeah. so we you know we we obviously started building early last year but we didn't launch till end of last year beginning of this year mm. um as in a, a proper launch so we had a just a couple of small beta phases and then yeah, and then and then launch
1: it properly then. I guess moving on to where we're at today. So on the topic of SEO quick wins, and essentially you use this tool to make the process of internal linking and the suggestions around internal linking more efficient to improve organic search performance. So um, this is the, the part where you feel free to self-promote and a little bit more if you want to and blow your own trumpet, because uh, I'm interested to know, have you got maybe one or two examples of how Twilu has helped someone achieve that how it's helped identify quick wins maybe for internal linking and then maybe the results from that
2: yeah so for me personally yes i mean it's still quite early days so yeah. i think it's felt felt uh quite early to start tapping up customers for for case studies of their clients and things like that but we probably should start talking to them soon uh, but yeah even personally like i use it myself dan yeah. uses it I've recently seen some great results on a couple of e-commerce sites I'm working with yep. where internal linking has been a big focus. But you know, we know internal linking has an impact, right? And I yep. think there's a ton of case studies out there to show why you shouldn't be skipping this. And I think a lot of people still do.
1: And that was a really interesting thought coming into this is that, and I agree with the comment there. And I was thinking, well, why do people skip it? And I think the reason is, pretty much taking the conversation full circle about Twilu, it's because it. I've noticed for me, it can be a real pain in the ass to do it manually. Even semi-automated, if you're smart enough with Excel, it's still time consuming. And you sometimes still debate the trade-off of the time investment versus the result. Whereas it's one of those things that you would definitely do more often if you know you could make it more efficient, which has essentially been your goal here
2: yeah absolutely i think yeah i think there's a there's a little mix of some people just not understanding what the next steps are and what they need to do mm. and even the people who do know what they need to do in excel and they've got some good templates created where it does save a little bit of time it is still time intensive there's still a lot mm. of cross-referencing and manual work and uh yeah it is just one of those one of those things where you know sometimes the time intensive stuff like that and the the not so easy stuff to do is is often uh, often skipped so <laughs> but it, but we know how important it is you know people are especially recently i think people have been banging on about how important internal linking is even people at google talk about how important internal linking is mm-hmm. but you know some people are still still swerving the time intensive work
1: Uh, so for our listeners at this point we're going to link to twilu in the show notes so you can check that out and obviously contact martin and explore the tool yourself but we'll probably move on from the twilu part of the conversation now and move into uh, i know a more recent development in rank caddy but one final question just on twilu for anyone that is interested in that wants to go check it out maybe what's on the horizon for you at this point you said you still feel very early on in your journey what are your goals maybe over the next year or so for that
2: i I think we just want to to continue we've we've got a backlog of ideas where yeah. we want to some of them are small and just build upon what's already there because we want to make it as useful as possible and some of them are bigger ideas that will just bring kind of new features and things like that um, but initially we want to to work on improving performance and and things like that so we can get crawls running a, a bit quicker uh yeah but we just want we want to make it uh, as quick as seamless and as easy as possible for uh, for people to use so i think one of the one of the next things we need to do is just make the whole journey a bit easier so we're going to start adding some more uh, kind of visual tool tips and things like that just so yeah. people know exactly where to go and what to do uh, mm-hmm. but yeah there's, we have got a we've got quite a hefty backlog of, of ideas and things we'd like to implement so there's definitely more
1: coming <laughs> Excellent. And uh, leading me into uh, Rank Caddy, and I say it slowly because coming into the podcast, I was even thinking about it before bed last night. For some reason, I've got it in my mind as Rank Daddy. And I know that's really, <laughs> really funny. And it's just, it's totally weird. And so I've got to be really careful to just make sure I use I the right a rank re-brand comes- Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, um, so with Rank Caddy, uh, yeah, I'm just interested to know a very similar kind of starting point as with Twilu, when did that idea start to come to fruition what drove you to kind of come up with that idea talk me through that
2: yeah so i mean it it was around the same time as the the twilu idea i'd been talking to matt anyway about building a rank tracker and you know it's it's not an obvious idea. It's quite a competitive space. Yeah, I've
1: got, I've got then, a note in front of me to say that yeah. it's probably one of the most competitive spaces you could enter. That's what I was most surprised it is. by.
2: But again, it was about scratching my own itch and it was about right. frustrations I had. So okay. I I didn't want to just build a rank tracker because, you know, I, a lot of them do different things, but some of them are just rank trackers. So I wanted to build something that, uh, that aligned that with really actionable insights, but that was also affordable and this, you know, nothing against other products because most of them do things differently and they have, mm. you know, d- different features. But honestly, I've always found rank tracking expensive. Yep. And, you know, I have a client in the US who was they were using a rank tracker. I won't say who, mm-hmm. it isn't cheap. And I said to them one day, I said, look, what, what do you think of the rank tracker you're using? And they, they said, crap. <laughs> they said, we don't get anything from it. We have no idea what to look for. Uh, you know, we don't g- really get any insights from it. It's just, we just get lost in there. So we we don't even check it now. We've stopped checking it. I wanted to create something that was not only affordable, but that also had additional tools that were really actionable and easy to use. So, you know, we built Rank Caddy. We're, we're just in an early beta phase with that at the moment, but hopefully yeah. launching that to everyone really soon. Although... I suppose for some listeners, it would have launched ages ago. Who, who knows? <laughs> yeah.
1: uh, so I am interested. That one, Rank Caddy, sounds a little bit more complicated in my mind to execute than Twilu. Uh, am I right in that assumption? And maybe could you talk me through, yeah, maybe some of the challenges in building that and, uh, yeah, just talk through that process about how you've, how you've started to build a product?
2: The, one of the challenges is it, it could go in so many directions. And mm. what we – don't want to do we don't want to be a tool that does everything um you know we've, we've come across tools of fallen into that trap before it's not what this is about so if i if i start from the beginning yeah, initially yeah. it was just broken in broken into two parts and that was the rank tracker and the data dive and again i had one of my really crappy diagrams on a three sheet of paper that was horrendous but it was all there i knew exactly what i wanted it to do and with the rank tracker I wanted it to be as useful as possible. So rather than just being a rank tracker, what quick wins can we show you? And mm. you know, what can you actually do with this info? And just make, make all the, the filtering and everything just as simple as possible. Show, show conflict detection, uh, find opportunities. Uh, just, yeah, just make it as useful as possible. Uh, and then for clients... I was often blending uh, search console and GA data. So, you know, when, when you're in search console, it's very hard to align stuff because you're always clicking back and forth between pages and queries. Mm -hmm. And even when you bring that data into analytics, it's very hard to combine the data. So it was one of those things again, where for clients I was pulling everything into spreadsheets and doing lookups and aligning everything. And it was really time intensive, but it was a way to find some insights and opportunities. Mm -hmm. So, uh, that's why I wanted to do the, the data dive area, and that was just the starting point of that. So we blended yeah. that data, starting point, and then started building uh, loads of quick win actions off of that using uh, filtering. And we also pull in other things like on-demand, on-page optimization details via page scrapes and things mm-hmm. like that. So we're we're trying to make everything as easy as possible and yes sometimes it does require digging around the data i think that's going to be the case for for any tools where you're looking for for insights and you want to get the most from it but we're trying to make everything we can just a one button click opportunity finder so you know we want to look for this opportunity click here they all are uh you know and then we've expanded from there to build things like really flexible alerts and there's more coming too but We have got to be careful not to fall into the trap of let's do everything because, you know, we're not trying to be the next HREFs. You know, we're not a crawler. We're just, you know, an actionable tool and we want to surface, you know, low hanging fruit, quick win opportunities and just things that people can actually put into
1: practice. I think the thing that's going through my mind and one of the challenges that I'm trying to imagine myself in your shoes and one of the challenges that I think would come to mind for me is knowing from a marketing perspective who to market with that product because uh, the way it always feels to me is that the greater the range of the product features, sometimes that lends itself to more corporate companies. And it sounds more like Rank Caddy is aimed towards kind of SMEs or medium-sized businesses. How fair is that? Is that accurate at all? Um, do you have to consider that?
2: Uh, yeah, it's probably that, and and uh, even um, even below that kind of scale right, as right. well. So kind of freelancer level. So yeah. I, I'd say I speak to people who who are Oof. freelancers or very small agencies, and they say, "Oh, I can't afford HFS. You know, I don't want to use that." You know, I, I think Ahrefs is an awesome tool. I use it all the time for keyword research. Uh, but, you know, I speak to some people who don't use certain rank trackers because it's not really within their budget. They don't use mm. tools like that because it's not within their budget. I wanted to keep this affordable. Basically, all the kind of actionable stuff around it is just, it's just value added on top. People are just paying for the rank tracker and then everything else, anything else we build on this most likely will just be free. We won't be adding costs to this. So, but I'd say everyone from, you know, small agencies to freelancers and small businesses could use it. I'd probably say it's that that kind of range, you know, yeah. because we're not, you know, a lot a lot of tools have got their market nailed. People like Pi Data Metrics, they're more the enterprise end of the yeah. market. We're more the opposite end of the market. So, we're we're you know, we're an affordable option for, for those hand-on SEOs who really want to get implementing, especially with the
1: quick wins. Mm. Uh, that's really interesting to me as well, because I think it's kind of build what you know and what you need. And, uh, you know, you read about that and you hear about that a lot in marketing and business. It's some of the best business ideas come from like you've just discuss- discussed um, a need or will- wanting to scratch a niche or something that you've seen yourself. And so it sounds like you're building things that you'd actually use yourself as a, as a marketing consultant.
2: Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I I wouldn't want to build something I wouldn't use myself. So I'm kind of, like I said earlier, scratching my own itch. I'm building things that I would just love to be out there. So Mm. why not do it myself?
1: Yeah. And ranking tools are an interesting one because I, I agree with you. Just the principle of what you've said is that it's funny out of all of the ranking tools that I've used and I've pretty much used all of the major ones. None of them have completely satisfied me and my needs. So even in a saturated market, I guess some people might, I talked about it being a competitive market and that would naturally, for me, maybe make me inclined to avoid the market, but it doesn't necessarily mean that in competitive markets, there aren't still opportunities for improvement. So that's something I guess I admire in what you're doing there. It's kind of a commitment to do something in quite a challenging or competitive space. So one, one aspect I'm really interested in is um, talking about competition there and the competitive spaces is research. And so we talk about it in marketing a lot just from a, a creative standpoint is that sometimes you don't want to do too much competitor research because you don't just want to be doing what other people are doing and you don't want that to stunt your creativity. But when you're building SaaS products, do you kind of have a scrapbook open of ideas and features and functionality from – other tools that already exist or do you try to avoid that to mold the product into exactly what you want it to be
2: i guess not so much in terms of features so i especially for rank caddy i did want to be aware of what other products were out there so there wasn't too much crossover and, and have a little look at the features just to Make sure that there wasn't something just doing exactly what we're doing. Yeah, Um, but aside from that, that wasn't with a view to you know, oh, let's do this, let's do what they're doing and what they're doing. We knew what we wanted to do, Uh, so it was more just to to kind of make sure that there was actually an opportunity there that we could we could do this, we could do it at an affordable rate that people would be interested in, and and then yeah, it's it's more been let's just build what we want to build. And you know, we know what features we want, and we're also taking feedback from these early beta testers as well, which has been really useful, and just <laughs> trying to get an idea of what are those day-long spreadsheet-type tasks that we can actually build into this, and it makes sense for a tool like this.
1: What's the future like? What's the next year for you like? So you mentioned you're still in beta. When are you looking to launch, and what are some of the next steps that are ahead for you?
2: We We've got a few early beta testers that we're just getting feedback from we are just we're kind of there with the initial phase now we're just tweaking a few bits with the look and feel um but i think all in all we're pretty much there so i think but i don't just want to go ahead with a a full launch so i think the next step is a a slightly larger beta test so we'll, we'll probably get some more people on board for that and and then i think maybe a couple of months on from that i think once we're happy that You know, we find out any bugs or anything like that, and we've made things as useful as possible and as easy to use as possible. Then I I think we'll go full steam ahead and launch that.
1: And again, uh, rank Caddy and all the details for where to find out more about that or connect with Martin on that. Uh, Whether you want to access the product, you know, maybe if there's beta tester opportunities, I'll add those to the show notes later. I'm going to move on to just outside of your own products now. So, going back to the topic of surfacing marketing ideas using saas products and specifically in seo and seo quick wins so my first point before we get into some of the quick wins was just building it into a routine i think that for me is something that i've seen in my peers in my colleagues and maybe for myself as one of the most difficult things so it's the discipline of using software and building it in your into your routine so that you don't forget things i'm just interested to know And you, that's someone that's um, obviously interested in quick wins, but also just has quite broad marketing and SEO experience. How do you do that? So how do you build the identification of quick wins into your routine?
2: So what we've done with Rank for example, is we built in those quick win opportunities and then we allow you to add them as tasks. We've done a similar sort of thing with Twilu as well. So people can start building a process around it. Even if you're just using raw data, you're not using software at all, you should really be scheduling this sort of work in early and and Mm -hmm. then fairly regularly as well. Mm -hmm. So, for example, during an audit phase, if you're working with clients, the next step should be quick wins and low hanging fruit.
0: Yeah. And then
2: as data updates and changes, which depending on the site, it may do quickly or a little bit slower, then you should be looking at that again and again and scheduling that time in. I think too many people get caught up sometimes in like the shiny things like core web vitals instead of focusing on the, the basics and the quick wins. And they often mm. skip that because they think, you know, something big's coming or let's work on this big thing. And, you know, as we've seen with Core Web Vitals, often it isn't as big a deal as, as people think it's going to be. But, you know, some some people who have spent a lot of time in, invested in that could have been working on basics and quick wins that would have got them decent results
1: in the meantime. So it's kind of like um, sacrificing the fundamentals because of shiny object syndrome. Yeah. Yeah. No, that makes a lot of sense. And then speaking more broadly about SEO quick wins and maybe some of the software that you've used, yeah, maybe far away, what are some of the things that you're using and the quick wins you like to identify most and you think have the biggest impact? Maybe talk me through some of those.
2: I've jotted down a list of, of nine that I can give you if Thank you, you so uh, want much. me to run through
1: those. <laughs> yeah, please do. Yeah, I'm really interested to, to see kind of the tools you use, the things you identify, the things you look for.
2: Yeah, so the, so the first one I've got here is, um, you know, you might not necessarily class it as a quick win, but I did want to start. With this because i think it's really important i just mentioned it and it's something that people skip a lot and that is just do the basics so things like title tags header tags content internal linking and so on like i said some people are so focused on the next buzzword that you know they often neglect the basics so you know when was the last time you just ran a you know a thorough audit and -hmm. you know there's going to be a lot of quick wins in there so i think people should just Initially, if they're not already, just go go back to basics. And then number two is low hanging fruit. Again, it may seem obvious, but some people seem unsure what to do with them. So some people are aware that you know they might be looking at all of their terms are in position four to twenty. I like to look at four to thirty. I like to broaden out a little bit. Um, but you know, with those, you can start looking at improving on page optimization. Again, you can improve internal linking. You can improve the content. But when it comes to content, you know, be honest. Is this content great compared to what's already put on page one? And you know, if if not, make it great. Uh, number three is update old content, and you know, we're looking at older evergreen content here. So keep it up to date, improve it, especially if it's been dipping off. Uh, one tool I love for this kind of thing, and you know, also the content I was talking about in the last point, is uh, Surfer. That's SurferSEO.com. And what Surfer does is it pulls in data from Google's NLP API, uh, then also scrapes the ranking results for a term, and it blends all of that data together. And it then gives you a content editor and and shows you things like, you know, how roughly in what range should your content be lengthwise? What sort of terms should you be mentioning? What topics should you be talking about? What should you be using as potentially subheadings and so on? And, you know, even if you're just using that as a guide, sometimes that can give writers um, a, a really good guide on you know the things they should be talking about, the topics they should be covering, things they should be mentioning that Google might expect to be in a page ranking for X. So I mm-hmm. get all my, my writers to use Surfer. So that's that's if you haven't seen that already, that's a great tool to check out. Uh, number four is trim the fat. Do you have waste pages that drive no traffic? Maybe over the last three, six months. And there's always an opportunity, I think, to remove or update and improve old content. And it does, it depends on whether there's an opportunity, you know, whether it's outdated and so on. But I think the less waste you have on a site, the better. Mm -hmm. And I've seen this time and time again with clients where they have. Loads of content that's five years old and it's about <laughs> something that happened back then. And it's completely irrelevant now, and you know they they're kind of wary about deleting anything. And, yeah, you know, that's it, that's they, interesting. That has driven any traffic for years? <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's an, that's just one quick question I was going to ask you there. So it's interesting you touched on that because uh, it's something I hear about and face a lot too. And I think there's maybe like a vanity attachment to things that have previously written. People in marketing maybe don't like to see content where time of some time or money has been spent in the past to then sacrifice it uh i'm, I'm assuming that but because you've brought it up you face that question you face that argument sometimes how do you end up convincing someone to remove some of the content they've created previously
2: i've absolutely come across that <laughs> so yeah so sometimes you do get people saying oh but i wrote that i spent ages on that yeah or, you know i'm a bit worried about removing anything you know because uh, you know, we don't want to see any dips in traffic. And <laughs> it, uh, normally it just comes down. Sometimes it's a bit more of a challenge. Some mm. people are uh, fairly accepting quickly. Uh, but normally I think you can you can convince, prove a lot of things and convince people often with data. Yeah, And th- th- I think this is one of those things. So if you can show people, look, this hasn't driven any traffic for, for two years. It's absolutely no good to you whatsoever. It's poor quality. Doesn't drive it, even drive any impressions. It's doing you no good whatsoever. It's irrelevant, even if someone landed here, it's no use to them whatsoever. I think if you can show everything with that that kind of data and reasoning, then I think it's fairly easy to convince them. But still, there are there are a lot of people that just have a lot of waste on their site, and they do sometimes take a bit too long to to get rid of it. And it, you know, and it can help getting rid of this sort of thing if we if we've got search engines crawling content on a regular basis that's more important rather than all this waste, then yes, it absolutely helps. So mm-hmm. I, I think the more the more you can trim the fat, the better. So number five is stealing featured snippets. And there, there's a few tools that can help find these opportunities. So, you know, you can do some filtering in the likes of Ahrefs, again, yeah. uh, with this sort of thing. We're, we're about to make this uh, just a one-button click in Rank Caddy oh, nice. to, to show these opportunities. So again, it's back to that. Just try and make as much as possible, just one-button click. Um, and what you're looking for here is keywords where you're already on page one. There's a featured snippet, but you don't have that snippet. And yeah. it's then a case of tweaking your content and trying to take that spot. And there's plenty of guides out there online of, of how to do this, but you you need to find those opportunities first number six is look for cannibalization issues or or conflict issues as some people might term it Um, so you know with this do you have pages competing for the same terms and you know struggling to rank as a result and when you find these there's there's different reasons for this but one page might not be needed at all so you might be able to combine and or redirect one of those Mm -hmm. one page might be needed but doesn't need to be indexed. You might be able to use canonical tags, uh, or if both pages are in fact different, which is often the case, then you know you might be able to update the the content on both of those, add internal links with keyword anchors, uh, and there's there's a, you know various different tweaks you can do to then start driving that relevance towards one of those pages, the correct page. And this sort of stuff can take time getting around the conflict issues, but yeah. it does help. Um, Anyone who saw me speak in uh, the autumn Brighton SEO, I had an example on one of my slides of how much this can help, really can make a big difference. Uh, Number seven is use search console data. Um, So with this, you can simply just have a look at what terms are driving impressions. Mm -hmm. And this might surface new opportunities to amend or expand on existing content and and maybe use some of those terms that are showing in the process as well and you might be able to potentially drive more long tail traffic or just organic traffic in general
1: using that before you go into yeah, sure. number 8 i'm just interested for number 7 are there any tools that you've found that can speed up that process of uh, for i guess the analysis of google search console data when it comes to keywords
2: i'm not saying there aren't because yeah. the, you know i'm sure i'm sure there are some out there but yeah. That is one of the things I wanted to do with Rank Caddy because it's yeah. not it's not easy to you know if, if you start doing exports and blending this data it's it's not easy to do yeah. uh, it can be time intensive it's sometimes hard hard to find the, the same kind of opportunities it, it's a bit of a pain so again it's one of those things that. I just wanted to make as as simple as, pl- as possible by blending, blending that data. Cause like I said before, I was doing all this sort of stuff in spreadsheets.
1: Yeah. There's one tool for the listeners that comes to mind for me that I've used before that I quite like, which is Clickflow, And that's from Eric Sue. Um, and it takes Google search console data and allows you to, it's really test different titles and description, but it's a faster way to identify pages with high impressions, low click throughs or, cl- or keywords with the same thing. So, uh, yeah please carry on but i just thought i'd note that
2: cool so yeah number eight is low click-through rate pages and that is looking for things like uh, there's a few variations you can use here so things like pages with high impressions but low click-through rate or maybe they're they're ranking uh, average page one but again low click-through rates So on page one but low click-through rate so why have they got low click-through rates. And you could improve things like title tags, meta descriptions, check the correct pages ranking. So are there, again, are there conflict issues? And if it is the right page ranking, you could also look for cert features you can still potentially. And are you using the right terms when optimizing as well? And like I said, you can find these sort of things in Search Console, but you don't get the pages and terms aligned in one view. So, you know, it's one, again, one of the reasons I wanted to do that in Rank Caddy. And some of the other variations you can look at are things like high converting, high clicks.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: So you know there's, there might be an opportunity to drive more revenue here. We already know they're they're getting decent clicks. They're converting. Can, can we can we drive more here? High, then there's high converting, low clicks, and again it's then asking, well, why have they got low clicks? You know we know they these convert. Can we drive more clicks and therefore mm-hmm. more revenue to these pages? And then finally, uh, low converting, high clicks. Mm-hmm. So why are these low converting? You know, is there is there maybe a CRO opportunity here to, to drive more conversions? Mm-hmm. And then nine, the final one, is internal linking. You know, as we've discussed, it's one of those things that's often overlooked, but we know it's so, so important. So look to improve internal linking for especially low hanging fruit pages. But it's also a good idea just to improve the internal linking overall, you know, especially for important pages like e-commerce categories or something like that. And also review the the nav structure as well, Mm because even things like that can make a big difference. And one final little tip here, which so many people just skip this, but it's such a time saver and it's so important, is every time you add new content, look for internal pages to link to but also link for, look for old existing content to link from.
1: I think there is some great advice that you've shared there and so many tools and services that I'm sure will help me and our listeners. So I appreciate you sharing them. But I guess just on that last point and around internal linking, going back to Twilu, Rank Caddy, and yourself, Martin, and your book, can you let people know where they can find you if they want to reach out to you, if they want to try your tools and, and extend the conversation?
2: Yeah, sure. So, I mean, if anyone wants to give Twilu a try, they can find that on twilu.com, it's T-W-Y-L-U.com. Um, RankCaddy, as I mentioned earlier, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, we are going to be looking for more beta testers to help us just do some final testing and improvements to that. So if you go to RankCaddy, dot io and sign up there, uh, then we'll be popping out an email soon and you might be able to get in on that still. And other than those, um, for everything else, you can just find me on Twitter, uh, Martin Heyman on Twitter. I'm trying to get a bit more active on there. Uh, My DMs are open. So, you know, if you have any questions, just pop me a message.
1: Slide in Martin's DMs, but in a nice way. Uh, (laughs) All right, Martin, that's been really interesting to talk that through. Thanks for sharing that. Definitely all of the best for the tools, but more importantly, uh, yeah, continued kind of love for your family. I hope everyone gets better, feels better and definitely that you find some of the flexibility and livelihood that you're looking for through building these tools because it's important both for the marketing community but it sounds like also for yourself as well thanks a lot scott Big great chatting to you brilliant all right take care this has been the internet marketing podcast